1: He's done a great job in these last two years that he's played. Um, I haven't got to play him yet, but he, he's doing, he does a great job extending plays. He does a great job making the throws, and he's a winner. I mean, I saw that. I didn't play him at, when he was at Iowa State, but when he was at Iowa State playing against my Red Raiders, he was winning, and I mean, he's always been a winner, and that's what it takes in this league. It's not always the flashy plays. Can you go out there and win? And uh, he, he does both, the flashy and he wins football games.
2: Nothing but compliments at the Super Bowl. Everybody loves everybody. Hooray for everything. This hour, by the way, is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. That was the unmistakable voice of Patrick Mahomes. And that brings in Sean King, our friend, the former NFL quarterback and Super Bowl champ, who is on Twitter at RealSeanKing. On the score hotline that is presented by Circa Resort and Casino, Circa Las Vegas, .com. He's also on twitch.tv slash Chicago 670. The score. What's up, Sean?
1: happy Super Bowl week.
3: Same to you, sir. I see that you've made the choice to choose violence this morning with your attire that you're uh-huh. wearing on the on the Twitch screen.
1: There. I'm choosing common sense. And we'll get into why I feel that way. By the way, if you're driving and can't see me, I have on a Justin Fields jersey. Why are you wearing a Justin Fields jersey, Sean? I'm just projecting he's gonna be the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears next year I'm on Chicago radio so I want to represent why do you shout out feel- to my little why shout out to my little bro Justin
3: why do you feel he's gonna be the starting quarterback of the Bears next year
1: well because it makes the most sense why uh we hear different rumors about the amount of cap space some say it's fifty some say it's sixty four million but everybody agrees the bears are in a very good situation From a cap space standpoint, this is a really good free agent class, especially at the top, guys like Chris Jones, Brian Burns, Michael Buki, you know, there's some big-time guys available. You have the cap space to go out and not just get better, but get elite at certain positions. And and here's what I want to put in front of you guys. How much better is the organization if they keep Justin Fields and get the – landfall of collateral that will come with trading the first pick. They already have the ninth pick. They traded their second for uh, Sweat, who's a great trade. But you're basically going to get another one. You're going to get a two to replace Sweat. You're going to get another one next year and probably another two next year. And think about the cap space they have and the way that a lot of those young guys on that roster have started to emerge. Think about what position that puts you in as opposed to giving up on a quarterback who, when he's been good, I mean, he's been really damn good to go with a guy that's talented, but does have questions. And and now you don't get the number two that you gave away for sweat. You still have the knife pick, but you don't get an extra number one or extra number two next year. So I just think sticking with Justin, who I, in my opinion has done plenty, especially considering this will be his third coordinator in four years, He's done plenty, you know, from an elite standpoint to to make you believe that if you actually get really good around him, you know, he has a chance to be successful. Actually, this, Brock Purdy's in the Super Bowl, right? Yes. Because of what's around him. Not saying Brock's a bad quarterback, but he has Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Elite O-line. If you put uh, Brock Purdy on the Chicago Bears, They're worse than they are. They just don't have that support and talent offensively, but they have the cap space and they can get the draft collateral to get really talented, really fast.
2: But there are those who will look at Justin Fields' numbers, particularly on third down and particularly in the fourth quarter and say, he just hasn't been good enough. To keep you from taking a shot at somebody who is believed to be the best possibility at great that's come along in a long time.
1: I mean, what did USC win in the last two years with Caleb? They got any the Pac-12 championships?
2: Well, but that's different than than scouting the player.
1: I, I know, but I'm saying, I mean, is USC talented? I think they're extremely talented, and I keep hearing everybody talk about how great Caleb Williams is, but. They, they didn't really want anything. And uh, I, I have reservations maybe about some of the intangibles based on some of the things that I've heard. Like what? So I'm, not, I'm just which Which, which, just saying, which intangibles uh, what have you heard? Well, about a kid that's entitled at times, a kid that kind of is selfish. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that come from college because now, you know, they have access to NIL. So they're getting a lot more uh, of a... Uh, a level position when it comes to who and how and what I have to listen to from a coaching standpoint. So that environment's evolving. So you have to put all of this into your evaluation. Are you getting a young man that if they don't succeed in Chicago, can he handle the failure? Sean, I'm I'm with you you, when it it
3: comes to the math of, of this. Like to me, I think that most people have made it a binary conversation of It's do you like Caleb or do you like Justin? And to me, it's do you like Caleb or do you like Justin plus? Like, cause to me, it's Justin plus everything that you laid out. Now, if the Bears end up answering that question and they say, we like Caleb, we think Caleb Williams is so good that we are willing to forego all of the extra draft capital that we're going to have. And maybe you end up getting uh, an, an active player that you can put on your roster that makes your team better so be it but but i do wish that people really would take into account what you're saying that in a considering the trade that the bears made last year and how desperate everyone is to get to the top of the draft this year that it might end up being better for the bears to keep fields and roll with what you get in return for trading the pick that is theoretically Caleb Williams i'm i just I feel like those, I think the two players are similar, and I think some of their flaws are similar. And people who love Caleb Williams, they don't see it. Like, he's just new. So new always means better to some folks, and I personally don't agree with that.
1: That's very well said. I think it kind of emphasizes the points I'm making. If you get out of the vacuum and look at the big picture, and listen, you gotta do this to me with the context that when Fields has been good, can we agree his highs are super high? Like he his his good moments are spectacular. We're not talking about a guy that has a low ceiling, right? We're talking about a guy who, as you mentioned, has been a little inconsistent on third down. You know, I think there are some times when he holds the ball too long. But how much of that is the he only has one you know legitimate elite weapon in DJ Moore. What happens if you add a Calvin Ridley or Mike Evans in free agency and then draft Malik Mabers or Marvin Harrison then, as he played down? And now does does that make Justin better next year? Absolutely. You know, every time I watch the Lions, I try and figure out what in the hell would the Bears think and let David Montgomery go? Because he's light years in any running back that you guys have currently.
2: But he's a running back. I mean, I mean, there's no reason to pay a running back anymore.
1: I, I, know, I, know. I know, but if you're trying to develop a young quarterback, there's a big reason to pay everybody around him that's talented because you want to help him succeed. Well, in a, a hard league, especially at that position, you need help. You really need help. And, you, and that's what I think this, to, I, this is an opportunity for the Bears to put real help, elite help around Justin Fields, a guy that still has two years left on his rookie deal. So it's not like you're in a panic situation where you got to pay him you know, Joe Burrow and and Justin Herbert money right now, but put put the stuff around him that this is gonna allow you to do. And, And then I'm telling you, I think they're gonna be real happy down the line. Sometimes patience is the best avenue, especially when you can rebuild your organization and you gotta look at it from that standpoint. Are we better as an organization if we trade the number one pick because of the assets that that brings?
3: Sean, I want to ask you, you, you spoke a little bit about the intangibles with Caleb Williams. What about the tangibles? When you turn on the tape, what do you see?
1: Well, he's got elite arm talent. I mean, when, when it just comes to things that you can quantify, you know, based on how far he can throw a ball, the types of throws that he's capable of making in the game, I mean, he's an elite prospect. But I also think that he a lot of times he plays outside of the system. And that's one of the criticisms that I hear a lot of people say about Justin, is he doesn't throw the quick game in rhythm. A lot of times it's uh, an extended, you know, situation where he's extending the play when there are big plays made. Hell, that's Caleb Williams. (laughs) I mean, we're being honest. So I think they're very similar in a lot of ways from a talent standpoint. I really do. I think Justin's faster. I think Justin's bigger than Caleb. Uh, I think Caleb has a, a a legitimate elite arm, but I think uh, Justin has a legitimate elite arm. I mean, I don't think anybody's questioning does he have the arm talent to be successful. They're talking about the consistency. The, the one area I think Caleb's probably a little ahead of Justin may be just a ball location on a consistent basis but, I, a basis, but you know, I thought that improved for Justin this year, highest completion percentage he's had you know, in his career. And again, you guys got to remember this now. He, this is going to be his third coordinator. So we're not talking about a guy that's been in the same system. He was better in year two with Luke Getzey than he was in year one. So I'm just telling you, I think if you have patience with Justin, the talent is there. Just have patience. Put the elite pieces around him. And I think the Bears fan base is going to be happy and the organization overall is going to be in a much healthier place.
2: What do you know about Shane Waldron, the new Bears coordinator?
1: Absolutely nothing. I know his first name starts with an S. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's good insight. <laughs> that's good to, it's good hey, to know. <laughs> did we know anything about Luke Getze? I wish you would have known more. Right. Not really. So uh, uh, It seems like this entire cycle, there's like this next wave of, of young assistants that are getting an opportunity to be coordinators. I mean, if you look across the league, that's what it looks like in a lot of locations. You know, your fan base is having to, we hired who? And so then you're having to take somebody else's word for it. So when I say nothing, I mean, I haven't deep-dived on Shane Waldron. I don't know anybody that's worked with him. So if I give an opinion on a coach, I've done my research, and I've looked at his schemes and how he makes adjustments. So when I say I don't know who Shane, it's not a derogatory thing. It's like I don't know anybody that he's worked with that I can, I've can. asked about how is he. How is he in the building? How's he deal with the players? How does he handle adversity? Is he just a system guy, or is he a guy like Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay? that can fit the system to the personnel. So so that's what I mean by that answer. I don't know those answers.
3: Fair enough. Let's talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. Considering that this season hasn't been the greatest and the personnel hasn't necessarily matched up, if Patrick Mahomes were to pull this off, would this be so far his best Super Bowl win?
1: I mean, they're all big. And I don't want to cop out. And I'll explain, it's hard to win them. So I think every one of them has the same weight. I will say this the thing that's overlooked is how quality of an organization the Chiefs have become. You know, the decision not to re sign Tyreek Hill at that massive deal allowed them to put the pieces on defense. Nobody talks about their elite defensively. I mean, they're just a salty group. I mean, led by Chris Jones and those. I mean, they're playing at a high level. So Yes, Mahomes is doing it. I think with a different cast outside of Kelsey, i are familiar with, but they've done a great job of evaluating. Look how good She Rice is. You know, look how great of a fit Juju Smith Schuster was last year, and how Andy was able to put Kadarius Tony last year in positions to to really help this offense. And kind of this year, he's moving the pieces around, and it works because of Mahomes. But you know, I think you got to give that organization a lot of credit too. They've done an outstanding job.
2: Best way to defend Travis Kelsey is what man zone bracket coverage in a two man arrangement. How would you try to take him out of the game? Even though we know that's not really possible to do.
1: I think I'm in a disciplined pass rush with uh, Patrick. Well, I think the a lot of Kelsey's plays are when Patrick extends the play, or when he starts pump faking, and you know Kelsey kind of makes an adjustment. The fascinating thing when you watch the Chiefs play. A lot of Kelsey and Mahomes' successes schoolyard. It's outside the confines confines of the play that's called. Like it is many times Kelsey's supposed to have, you know, seam route, and he sees the safety on top, and you know he'll stop and pivot out and come back in. He, look, that's not how that play was drawn up. So a lot of a lot of their success is actually just they, they ad lib ad They have a great feel for what the defense is doing, they kind of come up with stuff on the fly a lot of times. So. I think if you make Patrick stay in the pocket and throw the ball in rhythm and don't allow him to, you know, have Chelsea, you know, change direction three, four times, that's probably the best way.
3: Considering that the 49ers haven't done a great job of getting to the quarterback, this feels like the worst quarterback to not be able to get to and knock off his spot. How do you suggest that they put pressure on Patrick Mahomes?
1: That's a difficult thing because uh, the cornerback from Michigan, number 20, man, whoo, I know he's sore because he's been getting beat like a sacrificial lamb for two games in a row. I mean, they have picked on 20. I think his name's Ambry. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong, but he's the starting corner for the 49ers. So first of all, it's hard to play a lot of men. We have a guy struggling at that level. Also, to be honest, I don't think the pass rush is what's going to determine the game. For some reason late in the season in the playoffs, San Francisco's run defense has not been very good. And if uh, Pacheco and that run game are effective and they're trading off, you know, five, six, seven yards a run, you know, now you can't rush the quarterback because you got to dig in and and try and stop the run. So I think how they play the run defense early is going to determine the outcome of this game.
2: Sean King, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. I don't know how you're going to deal with – the influx of people into Las Vegas, but uh, good luck.
1: Well, the one that can handle it. It's Las Vegas. NFL's never coming back, man. They put both teams out in Timbuktu. They put them in Lake Las Vegas. They got the media stand at the Luxor. That's the worst property on the street. People are never coming back to Vegas.
3: <laughs> I think you're probably right about that. Sir, have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us.
1: All right, guys.
3: That's Sean King. Interesting stuff. What? Am I seeing this right?
2: What? Seeing what? That the Mercury traded for KFC? For Kalia F. and Copper? Yeah, that was earlier this morning.
3: Son of a beast thing. I don't like that. She's like my favorite.
2: Well, you can be a Mercury fan.
3: Well, actually, that would make sense. Right? Yeah. Right
2: that down actually, the street. And it's just, could you just walk over and. Yeah you probably go to lunch with her.
3: Yeah. Hey, you know what? Way to find the bright side on this one. See, I'm good at that now. Yeah. Just, you know, be like, hey, you want to go to a Diamondbacks game? she be
2: like, sure. Lo-ho. There it is. All right. Feel better. Our, even though they got worse. Our guy, Jared Payton, uh, asked Roger Goodell about what's going on in Chicago with the stadium situation, and he got an answer. You'll hear it next on the score.
1: you, 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 you to Bernstein and Holmes, Middays 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The score.
2: Are they close to coming public with a proposal?
0: I think so. Um, uh, if, if they want to take advantage of this provision uh, in the, the law on the bond, they've got to do it this year. The legislature's in session now. <clears throat> it'll be in session until... Uh, probably around the, the end of May, uh, around Memorial Day. Then the legislature breaks and, uh, and comes back uh, for what's known as a veto session in the fall, where a lot of legislation like this kind of runs. My hunch is that there is that the fall is probably more likely than the spring, but uh, there is no question that uh, uh, they seem to be getting ready, and uh, they're aware, very aware of the timetable.
2: Greg Hines of Crane Chicago Business talking with Mully and Haw about Bears stadium possibilities I'm not going to buy anything that I hear about the Bears and, well, a change of tone from Kevin Warren. They're and, going to the south lot to newly, build a new stadium. Newly opened. No. They're not? The, the, the new stadium is going to be in Arlington Heights, and they're going to have to do everything they can do to try to get people to do the heavy lifting for them so they can try to lean on a, a, the, the tax authorities involved to lower what they're ultimately going to pay in property taxes in Arlington Heights and Then
3: why are they flirting with the
2: city of Chicago, because Dan? Because this is how Kevin Warren thinks that he's going to run the leverage game. But I'm not going to play it for him. I'm not going to I'm not going to do the work for him. That's his job. The he, leverage he, game. he can do the negotiating. I'm not going to say, "Wait a second, he's and I don't care. If you want to leave Chicago, fine. I'm not going to fight that battle because I don't care where you go. I'd actually prefer that they go to Arlington Heights. So, go ahead. And if you actually think that they're going to build a stadium they don't own,
3: if, if they're going to be a, a tenant, like, if, if they're going to remain as a tenant, are that's you the,
2: crazy? That's
3: the thing. Are you crazy? That's the part that people tend to miss on this, is that for decades now, there's been a complaint at Hallis Hall about them not having as much to say about Soldier Field on game day. Now there's been a a warming of the relationship which i think is a good thing i think as it stands right now the bears are still tenants of soldier field and no matter what they say or where they go they're partners they're going to be here for a while and chicago is still going to be you know the chicago bears it, it's just it's really interesting to me that people forget that for decades these two entities have not really gotten along. The last mayor was doing an incredibly stupid job of saber rattling when it came to Soldier Field and often would allow her fandom to try and dictate policy. And then when she found out that things were not going the way that she thought they were going to go with public opinion, shifted to, oh, no, we'll do whatever we have to do to keep the bears in the city. I don't necessarily need the Bears in the city. Would it be nice? Great. Yeah, I'm I'm down, but not at the expense of especially like the type of money we're talking about to build a a football stadium because we're talking between what five and six and a half billion dollars to do it the way that you would want the Bears to do it. No one wants to be outside in November and December. Period. No one. And not being able to be inside takes away all the options of what that building can do for you in other regards when the Bears are not playing, whether we're talking about hosting a Final Four or we're talking about them having another tenant in there, volleyball, college football, whatever you wanted to do, you could do it in whatever this new space is going to be for, for the Bears. It is weird to me that it feels like there's like a almost like a, a race, and maybe it's because of these deadlines between the Bears and the White Sox. Well, we want to get something done in the city. A lot easier to build a baseball stadium than a football one. And the Bears don't want to get the Bears don't want to get anything done in the city. They don't. They bought the land already.
2: They're not going to just sit on that land and put it, you know, a you store it facility on there. Or one of these, you know, put, or or these. It doesn't seem like they're that far apart. There's any number of businesses that you use as holding businesses for property, whether it's one of the, like a warehousing or. Pump it up birthday facility or what are these big uh, what do they call it climb zone? There's a, like these giant warehouse businesses that don't cost you much to run. You pay a little in insurance. You just wait for the land to increase in value. Yeah, you know, like by the Top Golf out there, the IAEA the
3: corridor very important. They're but but if you're that. if you're the Bears, as as far away as you is it seems it's still a pittance versus. Well, we'll start all over along with the, all this money that we spent on the land in Arlington Heights. It seems more likely than not that something's going to get done in Arlington Heights. Yes. Or Piatone. Not Piatone. Or Northwest Indiana. Not Northwest Indiana. Or at the Top Golf. They're
2: going and- the to replace the Top Golf. Kevin
3: there Warren. Is. Is, or is- that corner that I keep talking about right there off of Lincoln. That's where they should put it. The pit
1: right across the street.
3: Let's do that. Right there at the Lincoln Hotel. That's where the Bears' new stadium should be. Because nothing ever works there.
2: We know exactly where the Bears are going to be. Everything else is noise. At the Topgolf? They're not going to be at the Topgolf. So, Jared Payton asked the commissioner about the Bears and their future, and I'm not quite sure what his answer
3: was, but here it is. The Bears are looking to build a new enclosed stadium in Chicagoland. How important is that to the league, and could that lead – to a Super Bowl in the future? I think it's important to the Chicago Bears, their fans. I think it's also important to that community. I think, as we have seen here, a great stadium can host additional events. I think that's true in Chicago. I think the the dome stadium that they're talking about, both downtown and also potentially in Arlington, I think those are both great opportunities that they need to explore. The good news is they've got quite a bit of time on their lease. The Bears are committed to being in Chicagoland. I talked to the mayor of Chicago recently. He wants them in the city. Arlington wants it out in Arlington. I think they'll be able to develop a proposal that will be good for the fans, but I also think it'll be great for Chicago. Aha! Take that, Dan Bernstein. The commissioner of the NFL says that a a dome stadium in the city is, is possible.
2: Mm-mm, no.
3: And that the mayor of Chicago, who might not be mayor <laughs> was when this saying, thing when gets the, built, when the time comes,
2: better better pick it up, old friend. He he yeah. wants the team here. N- no, so take that. No, they're going. He knows
3: they're going to Arlington Heights. He didn't. They, that's not what he said. But he knows it. And they're. Cur- he said Chicago. He said downtown. Where they can again, 129th Street, play in a building they don't own. Yeah, I. They don't want that. They've done that for too long. Okay. Here's a question for you. Yes. Can the Bears drum up enough private money to build a dome stadium in Chicago? They could, but that's a... Will they? No. How do you know? Because they they just bought the land. But they don't want to be in Arlington Heights, and they don't want to be a pirate. (laughs) That's where they're going to be. They bought, that was but I don't want to be a pirate but, but Dan you keep forgetting something that's really important they did this move without the dude that they hired to do the move I know but he doesn't own the team I know he doesn't own the team his but job he is, is, is to president. get his job is to build it for as, as little as possible what if he said to them you guys made a huge mistake okay and they could say no we didn't
2: we can probably presume he already said that to them. I'm guessing he did. I can say that's fine, but that's the land we I'm, bought. I'm guessing he went. Gu- guys, looked it over. This this is stupid. What are you doing? Like you, you What's this on this page? You shouldn't have
3: bought this before you did the leverage silliness. Now I have to work backwards. And that's why it's going to be in Hazelcrest. <laughs>
2: I'm not playing this game with you what?
3: where it's going to be owned where Nick
2: Madrigal at this point is going to be the point man for the, the group that puts the money together and Nick Madrigal himself by the power of his own hands and, and and magic spells is going to build the bears indoor facility in the city.
3: Nick Madrigal doesn't have time for that because he's going to be the national league MVP this right. year. See that
2: that's, that's where we're going here. But the bears, Nicky Lopez, he's going to be the American league MVP. Yeah. They did. You you own every mediocre infielder named Nick
3: is 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 your team? Anyone ever? All I know, Nick Ahmed is all, ever all of them. I feel really bad for the White Sox social media team because they try hard to <laughs> to get engagement, and the engagement that they get is not what they want. They did a whole thing with with Nicky Lopez yesterday. You know that there's the trend now of. I'm blah, blah, blah. So, you know that I blah, blah, blah. So, uh, you never, you haven't seen these things? It's like, I'm a talk show host. So, obviously, I wear Sony monitors. I'm a talk show host. I spend a lot of time watching. It's one of those types of things. So, they had Nikki. I'm Troy McClure. Yeah. So, (laughs) he's like, I'm from Chicago, but I'm actually from Naperville. But I, you know I tell people I'm from Chicago. They did a whole Ugh. thing with Nikki Lopez where he's doing this. Ugh. I'm a Chicago White Sox, blah, blah. Ray, see if you can find it so we can play it so the Dan understands the Ugh. bit. All I know is the, the hat that the White Sox unveiled for spring training. The spring training hats for the White Sox are usually bad. This is bad. And the thing is, like, they have, like, two super hats for the regular season, but the one in spring training is usually bad. I like just when they did the Batterman. Yeah. You they, can't ever improve on the Batterman. That's what Pat. I'm saying. Like, you have the S.O.X. and the Batterman. Batterman! Mm-hmm. You have that when you're playing for real. And in spring training, you have some, you know, slappy cap that you wear. It is slappy the cap. <laughs> <laughs> slappy the cap. It is. But anyway, so the White Sox social media team, puts this video up, and it's supposed to be fun. Like, it's it's Nikki Lopez, like, ha, ha, ha doing all this stuff, and the comments. Like what? It's, it's anything that you would believe. The Sox cannot post anything not, on social right now. Not one thing. And the social media team is trying so hard. They're doing creative stuff. It doesn't matter. Anything that you post on there right now. It's just getting roasted. Sell the team. Get this guy out of here. Like all of it. Don't bother. Here, I'll go I'll, I'll look for you in the Nikki Lopez. Thing. Is it better than the M bar Yelp reviews? No, it's worse. <laughs> it's worse. It's because you know, with with those things, sure, there was a guy with a gun, but they told you to leave. So they you know, advised you to leave. Yeah, they advised you to leave. You didn't have to leave. You probably should have left. <laughs> I recommend that maybe you want to.
2: Maybe maybe you want to get guy, out of there Before they Come through the saloon doors Like he's Yosemite
3: Sam Hey man Folks are waiting on trains
2: Time to the rootinus to the Oh
3: wait here I'll just play it into the microphone yeah. Oh we got it I'm from Okay go ahead So you don't got it You ain't got it See, I could, I'm from just... Chicago there Of course I like tavern style pizza I'm from Naperville, but of course I tell everyone I'm from Chicago.
2: I'm from Chicago, of course I call the highways after the name, not the numbers. I'm from
0: Chicago, but of course I'm going to call it the Sears Tower. I'm from Chicago, of course I don't put ketchup on a hot dog. Ugh.
2: Does any actual Chicagoan take pride in any of those things? Any of them?
3: There are a lot of people who do the no ketchup on, like that's like a thing. Thing people fight over that. Put whatever you want on anything.
2: Feel free. I don't have to enjoy it the way you
3: enjoy it. And so, some of the comments: I'm from Chicago. We have the worst owner in baseball. <laughs> Nikki Lopez couldn't even be an everyday starter on a struggling Royals team. My life sucks. I'm from Chicago. Of course, the Sox disappoint us fans year after year. Nikki is already, already for losing 110 games this season. Stuff like that. Well, they earned it. No matter what they post, stuff like that is in the mentions. And you're right. They earned it. But I do feel bad for the people on the social media team that are like, man, we just we just out here trying to do something. We know that the team's probably going to be bad. And you got to
2: lean into it, man. You, you, that the only way out of it sometimes is owning it and leaning into it. That would be the playbook. But you can't say, yeah, we're going to sell the team and our owner sucks.
3: No. Although, he's probably not on Instagram. He doesn't hear any
2: of it. Doesn't see any of it, doesn't hear any of it, and and is too busy pining for David Eckstein.
3: I mean, he he clearly sees and hears some stuff. Not really. Did you know, I I was told... Why is Jason Benetti in Detroit, Dan? Well, he does watch the game. That's what I'm saying.
2: But he does, but as far as what people are saying, did you know that this, I was told this, you know the long-time phrase, fire Greg Walker? Yeah. Like the that that bit that joke. Well, yeah, I, I guess Fire it, the coach. I guess it's time to fire Greg Walker again. That Jerry had no idea what that reference was when somebody mentioned it to him. He's like, well, "What do you mean, fire Greg?" It had, it had to be he, somebody had to walk through
3: the joke. It's funny because he's simultaneously looking at baseball through the lens of when he was a kid, but not getting it. It's it's a kind of amazing. Cause here you you think that you have someone that is a baseball fan, but there there's nothing about him that says that he's evolved. And you would think that being, you know, the owner of a team, that you grow up wanting to be the owner of a team, and then you are the owner of a team, that you would be looking for all of the ways that the game has evolved so that you could be either with the curve or ahead of it. And he seems to still be like really far behind it. Indeed. That's
2: Lawrence Holmes. I'm Dan Bernstein. When we come back. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Screw you, Dan. Like for real. What did I do now? Tell, tell the people what you're going to do in the next segment. The Pocota projections for wins have been released by Baseball Prospectus. They have added up all of the individual win totals to produce a team win number based on their Monte Carlo simulations of playing the season out a million times. We've got the Cubs numbers.
3: We've got the Sox numbers. Uh Uh-huh. I think I looked at the Sox percentage to make the playoff number. Don't look at that. No. He's going to share it with you next on The Score. And
1: we'll never be royal.
0: Damn it! Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2. On Sports Radio 670 The Score. score, 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 score and 670thescore.com. Score, score, score. And, 670, the score. Com. and com. Odyssey Station. H more of
1: Android, H not you? It's more
3: Now you can go. You got to wait for the breakdown. Oh, we didn't even talk about this yesterday, what? and we should have. What? James Fegan is now joining Sox Machine. That's so awesome. That's great. So James Fegan is going to be on the Sox Beat for Sox Machine and SoxMachine.com. Perfect. So now their all-star team of
2: Margulis, Nelson, P. Knowles, and is it, now you get James Fegan as the beat guy
3: machine. <laughs> also, can I just say that on a on a personal note, I I love all of those gentlemen. For, as an entrepreneur in this space of new media, I love the fact that Sox Machine has grown to the point where they could hire someone like of of James's caliber to cover a team. Like that's a that's a big step forward for smaller media companies that are looking to expand. The fact that Sox Machine has done well, the fact that people that within the sound of our voice that they support soxmachine.com whether it's you know through donations or being traffic on the site or listening to the podcast, man that's a real victory to have someone to be able for for Jim and Josh to be like, you know what? I think that it's we can make this work for James, like make it worth his while to, to, to pay him to cover the team. It's a huge victory for smaller media entities. So if you're one of those smaller media entities, if you've got your YouTube page or you've got your Substack or your podcast, keep going because you can do cool stuff. As currently
2: constructed, looking at the rosters they have right now, and I do think it's important to note that these rosters are not yet complete. There are still going to be additions and or subtractions. But as of right now, we know the Cubs over under for wins on FanDuel is eighty three and a half. 83. Well, Pakoda has come out under.
0: Burn that damn thing and don't play it again, all right?
2: Picota has the Cubs at 80.2 wins and 81.8 losses, second in the NL Central. St. Louis is first. Isn't
3: isn't this really an opportunity though? If you're if you're bullish on the on the Cubs and you think they're going to sign a couple of other people? Absolutely. Getting that number, if that number is, you know, somewhere around there as it stands right now,
2: 83 and a half. Yeah, that's why Joe Sheehan had it on his list of bets that he would make right now. He said for him, and he, and he bet the Cubs to win the division. So it has the Cubs with a 31.2% chance of making the playoffs, but has them with the second highest win total in the NL Central. St. Louis first at 85.5, then the Cubs at 80.2, followed by Milwaukee at 78.8, Cincinnati 78.3, and Pittsburgh at 73. All fairly reasonable. So let's look at the AL Central. Mm. <laughs> the, the al central has minnesota first at 88.2 wins the weird ass minnesota twins the cleveland guardians second at 83 4 detroit third at 74 6 i think they'll go over kansas city at 70.1 is fourth and the Sox are a distant fifth at 65.5 wins, 96.5 losses, and a playoff percentage chance of 0.0.
3: Yeah, I, I saw that, Blue Tarski. I, I was upset when I saw that. And then I was like, that's about right. I, I think you I'd... have 0% chance.
1: Zero, point
3: 0.0. I think I'd go under because of
2: 65 and a half? Because of what could happen at the deadline. Agreed. This is with Dylan Cease and Luis Robert. So it's very likely that a sell off that nets them prospects, depending on some performances. And again, do you think helped.
3: they're a 100 lost team? Because if you oh, do, yeah. I, I, if you think they're a 100 lost team, then you're betting the under. Yeah, I do. I think they're a 100 lost team.
2: I don't see how they couldn't be. I think it's not just as currently constructed, but as projected to be constructed as they get closer to the deadline.
3: I do find myself thinking about the players a little, players a little bit when it comes to some of this stuff. If if you're Andrew Vaughn, you know hardworking guy that seems to be you know super likable. If you're Luis Robert, if you're Dylan Cease, and you know that you're going to be on a team like this, no matter how hard you individually try, because look at the year that Robert had last year and they still lost 100 games. What's that like? I mean, I know that's not a question that you could even really ask unless you have a great relationship with someone. But, but what's that like? What's it like to show up at Camelback Ranch knowing you ain't no damn good? There's no Nobody's coming to help you. This isn't going to be a good year. Even if things were to go really well for everyone, if they outplayed their own personal projections, you're still a 74-win team. Or enough to be traded. Like, how how do you fix your mind to to go into this knowing that it's bad and no relief is on its way? Because baseball's different that way. And
2: I think it's sometimes easier for a baseball player to know that when it's their turn, it's their turn regardless of anything else that goes on. All
3: I can do is go hit. All I can do
2: is field the ball when it comes to me, be ready to throw to the right base. I can know how many outs there are on the base paths. I can I can hit the ball when I have a chance to hit it. That's the one thing about the, It is an individual game that masquerades as a team game. And any individual at any point can make themselves as valuable as they possibly can.
3: Well, I'm glad that on the Cubs front that this – Postseason has kind of played out the way that other postseasons or, or off seasons have played out where guys, there are some guys that signed. There's still a bunch of guys out there. We're, what, a week away from people reporting the spring training, and there's still a bunch of guys that are available for the Cubs to put on this year's team. Like impact guys, like not filling out the roster guys, but, but guys that you're expecting to have big years. And I, I wonder if it's a trend, if baseball considers it a trend, if players consider it a trend of, you know what I really don't like? The first two weeks of spring training. So I'll wait. If I have a choice, I'll wait to sign and I'll get my you know, 60 at-bats or whatever it is that I need along with cage work and everything else to get ready for the season. Because it really is awful. Not from... From from the like you see the players every day when you're out there you're like eh, this it, other than the, the sunshine and stuff it's great but the whole idea of oh yeah we're gonna do this and we're gonna have an intra squad game and PFPs and all this it's awful and now if you're a player of 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 any reputation you can be like I'm gonna wait I'll see you on March 1st here come the
2: stupid on purpose people of course what. Cease was bad in 2023. He was good in 2022. You think he matters? WSOX lives on. Yeah, we're WSOX here. And ask this any, show? Yeah, yeah, ask around. That, that's, that's all we do is say nice things about the White Sox. That's we'll all we do. And, and of course he matters. Yeah, he wasn't all that good. And I don't even think he's all that good. He's their best pitcher by a mile. This is the Sox Show.
3: Yeah, this is apparently the, this this
2: is wow. the, the Sox cheerleading
3: show. I didn't, a, that's I didn't all realize you got here. that the, the spectrum is that overwhelmingly <laughs> wow. bad that we are That's it. We're we're considered the friendly Sox show?
2: Okay. I got to step my game up. Let's talk some football with our guy of the show Ron Hughley next on the score.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month. with Eligible trade-in when you switch.